Welcome to Deep Tech 315. That's Doug. I'm Gene. Our three topics today are double Apple downgrade, something pretty rare. Second is perplexity, a new search engine. Jeff Bezos is an investor in it. And last, we're going to talk about intelligent alpha. If you haven't heard of it, uh, you haven't been on our episodes in the past, this is one of Doug's favorite topics. He's uh, knees, hands uh, deep into AI as an investing vehicle. And so we'll jump back to the top. Uh, Doug, uh, we've known Apple as analysts. We covered Apple as investors. Uh, we closely follow Apple. And it is rare that you get uh, two downgrades in two days before they report a quarter. And uh, my sense, just as some backdrop for those who haven't been following along, is that Barclays and Piper have downgraded Apple right in the new year, and the stock's down, call it 6% in the last couple of days. NASDAQ's down probably 2 2.5%, something like that. So a uh, rare kind of underperformance. Not as rare as you would think. I went and looked back over the past year. Apple hasn't had that double downgrade, but the stock has traded down by a range of 6 to 11% in four other periods over the last 12 months. So these pullbacks are common, but again, it's the double downgrade that got us to the top of deep tech this week. And if you're curious, the reasons for the downgrade, both uh, analysts talked about uh, weakness in China, uh, talked about uh, difficult product sales, uh, talked about difficult comps, and talked about valuation. And I got to say is that I, it, I respect analysts uh, stepping out in front of a quarter, making a gutsy call on a stock that's generally loved by the street that I definitely respect. But when I look at the substance of the reasons for the downgrade, it didn't feel like there was um, much, uh, much, uh, much substance to it. Uh, specifically is that uh, this idea of soft iPhone sales in China, I mean, that's been a narrative around this for for a long time. It feels like to me that they've seen the stock run up by 55%, think that 2024 is not going to be a great year. So they wanted to pull their chips off the table. I think that's about as simple as you could put it. It just feel like downgrades on valuation largely. I mean, it, I don't think there's anything uh, overly concerning about Apple in terms of the business to be shocked. Could they have some softness around iPhone? Could the 16 be a weaker upgrade cycle? Those things are certainly possible, but I think sometimes I think when you're an analyst and like you said, we live that world, there's always pressure to do something. There's there's pressure to make calls. You know, you, mm -hmm. you got to pick stocks that you favor uh, more and favor least. And I think you look at the Mag 7, a lot of them have run. You look at companies like Google and Meta that we own, they have cheaper uh, multiples, they may have more promising growth prospects in the nearer term. And I think sometimes you just have to look at that that universe and say, well, you know, maybe Apple is for now the low man on the totem pole when you're making that kind of call. I don't think that that means that uh, anything's wrong with the company or the business, though. Totally agree. I think one piece that is uh, missing here is what I think the opportunity that Apple has to talk more about their foundation model. We've previewed this in the past. We expect that WWDC this year, them to talk more about Ajax and bring Siri into generative AI within Apple. And then of course, could be weeks away, could be a couple months away, Vision Pro. They're not gonna sell many units this year. We're talking 500,000 uh, probably at the most. 
And but I think it's going to give uh, investors and consumers a chance, and developers probably most importantly a chance to get a sense about what Apple's trying to accomplish there and kind of build those groundwork. So I think innovation is alive and well at Apple, despite I think commentary that the iPhone is getting tired. Yes, the iPhone is getting tired, but there are exciting things that they can get into, uh, as we talked about around AI and spatial computing and. And don't forget about automotive. I think that still is a topic orbiting around there. Uh, let's jump into our second topic, which is perplexity. Uh, for those of you who are not familiar, this is a new search engine that is using AI and uh, been perceived as a competitor to Google. They've raised about $75 million, uh, about a $550 million valuation. And I guess in the grand scheme of everything that's going on in AI, those are kind of reasonable, I, I guess, valuations, but it did catch my attention. We see a lot of AI with our private companies and most of them are raising three, five, $10 million. Uh, this is feels like there's a little bit more momentum behind this. Well, it's about a year old. They have uh, a few million users, I believe, on a monthly basis. And so there's some real usage here. I would I would take the other side of what you just said. Like I don't think this is a very big raise at all, given what they're doing. You look more broadly at some of these bigger, promising AI plays, particularly ones that are building foundation models, and that might be the difference. But, you know, some of these foundation model oriented companies, I think the minimum bar for them is to raise a few hundred million dollars mm -hmm. to be able to build out the model. Now, perplexity uses OpenAI's GPT, they build on top of that. So they're not necessarily trying to build their own foundation model. Um, they're trying to build what I would say, I don't even know if I would agree with the characterization of it as a search engine. Now, I've used it, I've used it uh, for a long time now. The benefit of perplexity is that it gives you citations about why it is giving you the answer it gives you, right? ChatGPT doesn't do that, Bar doesn't do that, Anthropic doesn't do that. And so it is a new feature and it's novel. Um, I think that the question is, okay, if, if they are going to be a better source for a single answer instead of 10 blue links, that's great. Um, but Google doesn't make money just giving answers about general knowledge. What's the play on commerce? Because that's where Google makes money. And I think that's what gets lost sometimes when we talk about killing Google, we always wanna kill Google. You got to factor in how does it impact commerce, not just Q&A. Right. And there's a, a recap. If you think about Google, the breadth of their search, the biggest piece is information related. That's called about half of it. You get about uh, 25, 35 percent of it is uh, related to commerce and the rest is related to navigation. And so, yeah, that, that commerce piece is a, a huge piece to it. When I've uh, played around with perplexity and done commerce, it. It, it's just not built for that today. Like you said, it's, they're just not there. And when I think about that and just the, the habit of, of Google and we're, we own Google, uh, the, the how habitual uh, our use of Google is, I, I think about on the advertising side, uh, the infrastructure that they've built around monetizing those ads. And I think that that is a defensibility that Google has that, uh, I think that's what you're saying is that there's there's more defensibility around Google because it's hard to build an ad business. It's hard to build an ad business. It's hard to build the distribution that they have. I mean, billions of people that use Chrome or Android or YouTube, and they're not going to stop using those products. 
um, even if they start using something like a perplexity. And so, you know, Google just, they have their tentacles kind of everywhere. That's one of the, the really powerful things that they've built over the last 20 years. Um, I think that's hard. And then on top of it, to your point, they have, you know, an ad machine. Uh, they have a sales group, right? They have reliable metrics they can deliver to clients and value ROI they can deliver to clients that clients want. Um, and so I think that's a big thing. The other thing, though, I, I would point out that Perplexity is doing that I think is interesting is they, like ChatGPT and like Anthropic with Claude now, have a subscription mechanism to make money. I don't think that every AI platform is going to ultimately monetize that way, but it is notable that we're seeing that become mm. pretty widespread. So you can pr uh, subscribe to Perplexity for $20 a month. I think you get sort of like unlimited uh, uh, query uh, access, essentially. Um, and so they make, I think the Wall Street Journal article said five to $10 million a year on that. You do the math, they've got tens of thousands of subscribers right now. Most of the world doesn't know about it. They might be able to build a pretty big business just through paid subs if they can continue to deliver that experience of having sort of well-sourced uh, and well-cited answers that people want. Immediately, my thought goes to what if Google would start to charge more? Obviously, Google has paid offerings today around YouTube, and uh, but if they would do something around search, I mean, it just feels at the core like there'd be something that is just uh, like almost unethical for Google to charge for search, but I'd pay for if if they somehow tiered search and if it was a few dollars a month, I'd pay. I think my I just I saw my Prime uh, to get ads free Prime at the end of this month. I got to pay an extra two ninety nine a month for that, and so uh, I think that yeah. paying three dollars a month for Google, I mean, that would be uh, the stock would just take off on that, wouldn't you think? Maybe I think. Uh... Three bucks a month is what thirty six dollars a year. How many millions of people would really do that? Even if a hundred million people did that, just to put it in into perspective, you're only talking about four billion dollars in revenue. It doesn't really move the needle for Google. That's how big they are, which I think is really hard to conceptualize. Um, but I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if they did try something in the paid realm. I mean, they've tried different things paid with YouTube. Uh, they have ad free YouTube, obviously. They've got YouTube TV. And so it's not like they're allergic to doing uh, paid things. And I would also note, I actually just was uh, was doing some research on Baidu recently, the Google of China. They have an $8 subscription a month that they just launched for their Ernie bot, which is essentially their version of ChatGPT. So they're doing it everywhere. Every AI company, it seems like, but Google has a, uh, a way to pay them. Um, yeah, what... Uh, let's say a quick, I just want to do those numbers on that again. Let's say, so Google has about a billion and a half monthly active users, something that's not about right for search. And that's probably saying, right. So it might even be higher a, than that. It's probably a little higher. If you get a hundred million at $35 mm -hmm. a year, yeah, I guess, yeah, that's... Uh, three and a half billion. Three and a half billion per, per month. No. Per year, if you're paying, you said two ninety nine right. a month, thirty six bucks right. a year. Uh, yeah. That's right, thirty five times hundred. That's right. I got it. I'm back. Makes a ton of sense, uh, and an opportunity definitely available for Google. Another opportunity available for investors. If we get to our third and final topic, is related to investing along with AI. You've just been all over this, Doug, and this intelligent alpha. Uh, 
you know, in our weekly meetings, our, our, we do a, a recap with all of our different product groups. We do private, public. We have individual meetings. We have a, a group team meeting on Mondays and Fridays. But Doug, you've just been talking a lot about this, a lot of the work. For those who haven't been following your work, uh, maybe give a recap of what you're doing. How can they follow along? And why are you so excited about this? In the past summer in 2023, I started to experiment with AI, uh, specifically starting with ChatGPT, just to see if it could beat the S&P 500. And uh, that simple initial experiment has now turned into about 40 uh, separate strategies where I use ChatGPT, uh, Google Bard, now really Gemini, and uh, Anthropics Claude as sort of an intelligent investment committee to do stock picking and create portfolios. We're running two of those portfolios live at Deepwater with Partner Capital. Um, and the bottom line is the, the portfolios have been doing way better than I expected. 83% of the portfolios as of the end of 2023 were beating their benchmarks. In some cases, they were beating benchmarks by oh, over ten percent. Portfolios you're running? Uh, there's forty total strategies, a little over forty. Uh, there's sixteen core ones that are, you know, like I would say, like a large cap U.S. equities, right? Mid cap U.S. equities, things that are kind of the big uh, buckets that people tend to invest in in the U.S. And is of the the eighty three percent outperformance is that in the sixteen or the forty? That's in the 40. In the 16, it's almost 100%, actually. Uh, there's one of the 16 that was neck and neck with their benchmark, but every other one of the 16 core was ahead of its benchmark. That's awesome. And then as, as we keep experimenting, I'm getting a lot of inbounds from people asking how they can invest in this, and we don't have it available right now. Still doing continuing testing, and uh, we keep pushing Doug, let's see if we can find a way to get this to the market. And how do you think just about timing of getting a product that's available? Uh, I think that sometime this year, hopefully we see more availability of something like this. I think this is going to be a year for AI stock picking to kind of show that it is ready for prime time. And one of my theses is uh, that AI, you know, it's it's like in the iPhone 1 or iPhone 3G state right now, and it will be an iPhone 15 faster than the iPhone went from the iPhone 3G to the iPhone 15. Um, if you think about how fast this thing and how much capability it's going to add, I think this is going to be a huge year for AI, and that's only going to make these tools better at picking stocks. And so... The answer to your question is, you know, we've we've looked at ways to make this available. We're working on ways to make this potentially available. I do think this is going to be a big part of the future of asset management. And hopefully we see that come to fruition later this year. For those of you who've been following Doug and I for a long time, you may have heard me reference him as not only the smartest guy that I know, but the strongest guy. If you follow him on Twitter or his, it's uh, the D load. Check that out. I think you were doing a, I, I don't, I don't lift weights, but uh, is it a 300 or 450 pound deadlift? Uh, and you are truly 500, but who's five, 500. Okay. I don't want to sell you short here. The bar <laughs> yeah. actually bends when he's picking up. Now, Doug doesn't talk about this stuff. Of course we find about it and then it becomes some good chatter in the office here at deep water. Uh, I just love that. There is uh, no smarter and stronger man than Doug Clinton. Check out his D load. And check out our next episode of Deep Tech 315 on behalf of Doug, 
and Gene, bye for now.